Do you dream of having time and money freedom? Are you looking for ways to enjoy business and life harmony or just to improve your business and yourself? Welcome to Reclaim Your Freedom with your host, Shirley Dalton. In this program, you'll learn from experts in business, leadership, personal development, and mindset to help you create your ideal business lifestyle, whatever that means for you. And now, here's your host, Shirley Dalton. Today, we have an amazing guest for you. This is a subject that I'm just totally blown away with and can't wait to get into. So I want to introduce you to Alan Stevens. Welcome, Alan. Well, thank you very much. Alan, you're a profiling and communication specialist. Mm -hmm. What exactly is that? Well, a communication specialist and a profile, it's all about being able to read people, to understand them. Mm-hmm. Once you can understand somebody, you can make a better connection with them. It's all about relationships. Mm-hmm. That's what my whole business is about, how to build and strengthen the relationships that you have. So being able to look at somebody and understand how they like to think and process, also understand their emotions, and then knowing how to actually communicate to them in the way that they want to be spoken to. Okay. And so when, when you're saying uh, you're looking at people, so, mm. so there's something about our appearance that you can interpret. That's right. So there's the static appearance, so it's in the features of the face, mm-hmm. and there's also then what we call micro-expressions, those little expressions that are very fast that tell the emotions. And if you think about the facial features, how they can actually tell me your personality, if you think of somebody who exercises and they lift weights, you can tell whether they're fit. You can tell what sort of exercise they do depending on the muscle structure through their body. Same thing, if you feel a, a particular way or you're thinking, you'll pull your muscles in, you'll tighten ridges, you get ridges and crevices and things. That's a history of how you like to think and process. So I look at that and that tells me your personality straight away. Okay, so, so that's really interesting. And just to, to give an example, one of the things that I'm often saying to my clients is when I'm, thi- when I'm thinking I'm frowning mm. because I'll get a really mean mm. look on my face mm. and all I'm doing is processing, but I'll get that real, yeah. yeah to, to be able to understand that that's actually concentration, whereas they may see the, the what you call a mean look yeah. and think, well, are you really happy about it or not? Yeah, yeah. This is where the confusion comes in and where we're reading people. That's why with the techniques that I teach, it helps people to take the emotion out of it and go, oh, that's, you're actually concentrating. Yes. As opposed to being upset with what they're saying or judging them in any particular way. Mm-hmm. So how did you get into this? Oh, long story, that one. But um, when I first came to Newcastle when I was 23 years old, I was transferred in charge of a group of people who, they're all older than me. And my second in charge was 38 and I was 23. So now I had to get them on side and, you know, get a depot going that we had a high level of performance. And that was in the telecommunications game. Then in the 30s, uh, when I was in my early 30s, I joined the surf club and became a surf lifesaver. And I thought, great, I'm the same age as everybody else now. Um, And they talked me into being the club captain. It was fantastic. And then they reminded me I'd been there five minutes and they've been there since our nippers. So now what I had was to, same age as everybody, but now I had to deal with people uh, who were more, far more experienced than me and to get away with telling them what to do. And then in my late 30s, I, my first wife left and I raised three boys on my own. So now I had to deal with them. So all of that uh, was really with no real skills. It was just basically intuition and a lot of good luck. Yes. Uh, but then I, as time went along, I was doing a psychometric profile. You know when you ask people questions mm-hmm. and you try and work out their personality? Yes. Well, I was doing that with currency traders and realising that 
you know, we weren't getting the results that we should be getting. And then when I asked them, they were answering the questions the way they thought they should to be a good trader. Right. So I went, no, I needed a better system. And then people said, well, you can observe people. And I went, well, if I'm having a good day or a bad day and I'm observing another person, in those two states, I'll see them differently. So I needed something better. Mm -hmm. And somebody just mentioned to me one day, have you ever looked at reading faces? And I went, ooh, that sounds cool. It sounds fascinating. Yeah. And my whole belief has always been the most important thing I'll ever learn is the next thing I learn after I know everything. So <laughs> I went straight out, started learning and found a gentleman by the name of Paul Ekman who taught all the uh, facial uh, uh, expressions. Yes. And a lady by the name of Naomi Tickle who taught all the facial features. And I thought, these two are really cool, but nobody's putting them together. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realised that... One tells me your personality mm -hmm. and it tells me how you like to think and process. And a lot of the traits that are in there co co um, or relate to the ones in the expressions. Mm -hmm. And that tells me your emotional state at any moment. Mm -hmm. So if I can read your personality, I know how to talk to you. Mm -hmm. And then your body language and the expressions will tell me whether I've got it right or not. Mm -hmm. oh, there's so many, so many things, I, places <laughs> I want to go with that. Um, but you probably know that. <laughs> um, I can remember reading a book about mm. happiness and they referred back to Ekman's work and he mm. did some work, I think it was in Papua New Guinea, yep. and uh, mm. looking at smiling, I think it was, and just, just a couple of the things that are universal. Mm. And then uh, how do you pronounce it? Is it the Duchenne smile or you uh, know, where you get the little crow's feet coming out? Yeah, it's one I've never really... <laughs> it's, just, it's a simple uh, word, uh, but... Um... I still can't get my tongue around it properly. Uh, okay, well, that but, makes uh, two of us. Yeah. <laughs> but it, that smile itself is just really a... You have the ones that are really um, uh, real yep. and those that are just social. Yes. So he worked with uh, about seven expressions he found that were universal. Mm -hmm. So the face has got about 43 muscles. You can pull over 3,000 expressions that he and his par uh, associates gave names to. But he found seven which were universal. So, Seven out of 3,000. Yeah. Wow. So the uh, reason for, say, anger, for instance, the reason you get angry and the reason I get angry might be different. Mm -hmm. But the actual effect of anger is because someone's violated our space. Mm -hmm. So we found seven expressions. That was um, happiness, sadness, fear and surprise, anger, contempt and disgust. So those seven, it doesn't matter if you've been born in a tribal village, a capital city, even if you've been blind from birth. If you feel one of those expressions you will have the corresponding, ex um, sorry, those emotions, you'll yep. have the corresponding expression on your face. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, so it's, it's a giveaway. And he calls it a micro-expression because we react to things under an emotional state mm -hmm. and then our conscious mind steps in and takes over and then we change our expression. And that can be as fast as a fifth of a second down to one twenty-fifth of a second. But the human eye can pick it up. If you're trained, <laughs> if you spend some time with Alan and know what you're looking for. Yeah, but it's something that, well, if you look at my past and um, if I told you my full history of relationships and everything else, I was shocking at reading people. Mm -hmm. And people said, well, why are you doing what you did today? Necessity. Mm -hmm. I had to improve. Yes. So if I can actually do what I do today with starting back there, then anybody can do it.
Mm-hmm. You just need the right person training you. Yeah. And it's interesting because um, when we think we're reading somebody but we haven't been trained mm. in the actual reading of people, mm. what I find, and particularly this happens in my relationship with my husband, is I will misinterpret something mm. and then we'll get into a little tat-a-tat about what I'm judging him to be thinking mm. based on what he said. That's it. And see, there's two things that come in there. There is the difference in the personalities, mm-hmm. so in the facial features and how that correlates. But you also then have the, um, the expressions as well. So being able to read that as well, so getting those right. But when you look at the facial features, uh, your traits will be, this is where your strength is and this is where, because every trait has an upside and every trait has a downside. Mm-hmm. So you're good at doing certain things, but then the stressful side will come out or the downside will come out when you're stressed. Mm -hmm. So in that relationship, if you're able to understand the high side, if you've got somebody who's, say, uh, very aesthetic appreciation, so they feel things inside. Mm -hmm. It's not so much an outward expression. They keep it uh, under wraps. Mm -hmm. Pressure builds up, they keep it down. If you've got the partner who is more dramatic appreciation, who likes to be able to express themselves, natural performers, well, they also do stress with the same amount of, um, you know, Fervor. <laughs> so to the, somebody who's highly aesthetic appreciation, the dramatic appreciation comes across like a drama queen. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that they are. Yeah. It depends on, because we all judge everybody else by where we sit ourselves. Mm-hmm. So if I'm down on the end of the scale here, everybody up here I'm going to see as extremes. The people down this end, they're going to be like me. Mm-hmm. But if I was up here, I'd see all these as the opposite extreme and these people similar to me. So it's knowing how to know yourself first of all and then know the other person. So the dramatic appreciation will talk to the aesthetic appreciation, trying to find out what's going on. Come on, tell me, tell me. And the aesthetic appreciation will just withdraw. So now there's a misunderstanding. Why are you you hiding it? What's going on? Is it something I did? Then you get, no, it's not you, dear. (laughs) (laughs) And you're going through that. So... Once you know that that's the other way the other one operates, then you know the, the dramatic appreciation would just say the aesthetic appreciation. Is there anything to do with me? No, it's not, dear. Okay, then. Well, I know that you need to sort this out in your own head, but I'm here when you want to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And they, the aesthetic appreciation goes, oh, thank you. I can now relax and go and deal with it. Yes. Yeah. And if they know, then they can come back and they're not going to be questioned a lot. So they can come back and then open up. So if I'm working with a couple, for instance, I will say to the one who's got the aesthetic appreciation, when you think it's bad enough to actually talk to your partner about it, you probably waited too long. The moment you start to think, well, maybe I should, then you should be talking about it. <laughs> Whereas the, the dramatic appreciation, it's, you know, it's not really that big a thing. The other one just needs some time. So just lay back, just wait a little while because it's probably not about you. Yes, yeah, that, yeah. And, and I get that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's not about you. <laughs> but then also if you look at someone's face who reminds you of somebody that did the wrong thing by you in the past, yes. we naturally react to them in the same way. Mm-hmm. And people say, oh, but I was right because they behave that way. Well, what you actually do is you be, behave that way. They unconsciously pick up the way that you're, um, you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And if you're withdrawn and pulling back because you don't trust them, they're naturally not going to trust you either. Yes. So now you've created a, what we call a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. So you've uh, being able to understand the other person and know that the facial features are the personality, not the character. So two people can look the same or very similar, but they'll be uh, they'll operate the same as the way they like to think and process, like the way the things they like to do. But what they're concentrating on or what they're uh, thinking about 
will be two different things. One could be a saint, one could be a sinner. Mm-hmm. So character though, when you observe the person and you're talking to them, what you see in the body language and the expressions, does that correlate with what you should expect? That's when you can start to pick their character up very quickly. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. It's just fascinating. <laughs> and, and, and I don't know if you noticed, but I was sitting here red-faced a minute ago because that was exactly us. And in fact, we went to marriage counselling before we even got married mm-hmm. because in my family we blew up and name-called and in Ross's family you shut the blinds and you didn't say anything. And so we had to learn how to fight, mm-hmm. <laughs> fight fair. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, um, I wish I'd had this stuff as well, because I've been through two marriages, <laughs> all before I learned it. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. And so, and it's not just in, uh, well, when I say just, but it's not in uh, close family relationships either. I mean, you, mm. you are helping people right across, well, right mm. across the globe, but in, in all walks of life. Right through from, you know, other people's children, their relationships, dating scene, when you're trying to find a right partner. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, oh, yeah, I keep going out with psychopaths. And I go, well, if you ask those psychopaths, they've probably been saying the same thing about you. And that'll be the difference in your personality. You just didn't connect. Mm-hmm. But if you're able to understand the other person's personalities, then you know how to talk to them and you're able to build that relationship. And when you do find the keeper, you know how to keep them. Mm-hmm. So it goes into the extension of the relationship. Then you have children being able to recognise their gifts and strengths knowing how they like to learn and process. So when they go to school, they can be better guided. Mm -hmm. If they're happier at school, they grow up as more balanced adults. Mm -hmm. And the cycle then continues so that their children grow up stronger as well. Mm -hmm. So in the workplace, you know, building your teams in sales, how do you talk to the other person the way they want to be spoken to? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I only have one niche and that is relationships. Mm -hmm. Where some people might be working in a particular field, like an electrician, mm-hmm. and they may say, well, I'm specialising in residential. I'm specialising in uh, industrial. And they say, well, why don't you niche? And I go, but I do. Mm-hmm. I niche in relationships. It's just that relationships cover every aspect of life. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and I can just think then, often when I'm working with my consulting clients, and one of the things mm. is about knowing their people, mm. because you know we can complain, oh, this person's lazy, or they're not getting mm. it. But they're not communicating in the way that the people need. One of the questions that we'll ask Mm. with recruitment is, how do you like to learn? But if they had training from Mm. you, they would already know that. That's it. So you look at somebody and know exactly how they take that information in, so therefore you know how to deliver it to them. You look at someone's facial features, you understand how long it's going to take them to get somewhere. Some people have an innate self-confidence and just get it straight away, Mm -hmm. and others build their confidence. So if you recognise that... You go, okay, the person who builds their confidence is going to take longer. But when they talk confidently, you know they know their stuff Mm -hmm. because they will test it, they'll practice it, they'll get look at it from every possible angle. So you give them a task, as long as it's not time-sensitive where it has to be done in a hurry, they will, you just leave them to it, they will get it done and they'll bring back a process that you can use well into the future. Mm -hmm. The person who's got the innate self-confidence, they seem to pick it up really fast but you don't know whether they've got, got it or not until you put them to the test. Mm-hmm. So they will come across with more confidence. They will feel more confident. So when you deliver information to them, you deliver in a different way. Mm-hmm. This one over here, the one who builds their confidence, you'll take time with and you'll let them build it and come back to you. Let, so the door's open. Come back and ask questions when you need to. Mm-hmm. Whereas the innate self-confidence is one you're going to actually say to them, well, I know you've got it. But let's look at a couple of scenarios. How would you actually take what you've already learnt 
and put it into this scenario. So now they tell you whether they've got it or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you've let, instead of letting them run off out the door thinking they've got it and then get you know, smacked in the face by the real world when it doesn't come together. So, there, as I said, no right or wrong trait. You look at it in which situation does it best fit into. Mm-hmm. Or if this is a situation and this person's got to be in that environment, how do I then talk to them so that they have a more successful um, uh, uh, state there? Yeah, well, it works for both parties, doesn't it? It works for the learner mm. and it also works for the employer. They get Definitely. the work done and the other person's happy to, to be doing the yeah. work and learning it. Well, we know in the workplace if you've got an unhappy employee... And at the moment, uh, well, a little while back, we had um, 67% of employees either were disengaged or actively disengaged in their work. That was several years ago, about 2012 or so. Uh, it's now up to about 87%. Wow. So 87% of the work employees don't want to be there, and a good portion of those are telling everybody they don't want to be there. So while they're grumbling and carrying on, those that want to be there are finding it difficult. Mm. So they're then converting over to the others. Uh, and if you're, it's like if you've got someone who's been bullied at work, their performance will drop 70%. Everybody else who sees it, their performance will drop by 40%. So that's pretty much the same as everybody who's not happy at work. Wow. So every organisation who has a high portion of uh, those employees who don't want to be there, they're losing what could be 50% of their, uh, their income, mm. the profits of that company. Because you have your fixed costs... Any variables to that, you know, you're looking, you drop 40% of your performance, well, it's probably, you're down to 50% of your actual income because your fixed costs are still the same. So what would you do then if, if a company called you in, you know, to, to check if there's like th- that, that astronomical mm. amount of people that are disengaged? Is it because they've employed the wrong people or is there something else going on? Well, one of the major things is you can get, take any, like even a, a couple, for instance, you can get two people together who not, normally wouldn't have you know, lasted, but once they are, uh, learn how to talk to each other, they can have an ongoing relationship for a long time. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing in the workplace. It's a relationship between the people there. If people are unhappy, well, this is how we get bullies. Bullies are always people who feel low self-esteem, mm-hmm. they're unhappy, and so they're just going to take it out on other people. That then escalates and all of a sudden now you've got fighting. Now, mobbing is terrible in Australia. Mobbing? Mobbing is where you've got somebody who doesn't like someone else and they get everybody else on side to give that person a hard time. And it's been, you know, you get it in large um, organisations, call centres and things like that in particular, mm-hmm. where everybody's in a, 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 it's not closed off sections, but it's all open plan. Everybody sees what's going on. Somebody will find someone they don't like and they get everybody else and talk to them about it and get them giving that person a hard time. And the person who started it can stand back and go, it wasn't me. So that happens quite a bit. So when you've got those situations, they all come from the fact when people are unhappy. If you've got happy, happy staff, like if you're at school and that and you're running around the playground and you were happy and everything else, you never gave the other kids a hard time. Mm-hmm. But same as in the, the playground, this happens in the workplace. People are unhappy, take it out on somebody else. Mm. You'll tolerate a lot more from other people when you're happy. So getting it in there to start with. So going into an organisation, having a look and seeing how they are, then you turn around and you go, okay, well, let's look at the management as well. We've got a lot of managers, but are they leaders? Mm-hmm. Because people, we know that um, I think the performance at the moment, they say about 82% of people who quit their job don't quit their, their job itself. They're actually quitting the management. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they quit the people. That's it. So 
it comes down to leadership. So the first place we look at in any organisation is the leaders. Mm-hmm. So through your um, facial um, structure, mm. and also, can you tell who who is a can you say a natural leader? There are certain traits that sort of lead towards it, but I'm working with about. Oh, I started off with 68 traits, mm-hmm. and now working with some other people because one of the things I looked at and thought. I will learn more if I can find other people who are doing similar type things mm-hmm. and see what I can learn from them mm-hmm. and then share with what I've got with them. Mm-hmm. So I found a gentleman in Romania who works with a, an, an Arabic system and same facial features, but he explains it in a different way. So I put those together and then he's got a few extra traits. So now I've got 80 traits. And some of those were great for the dating site of courses I put together. So in that, you take any trait, you've got the extreme at that end, You've got extreme at this end, and you've got some, the middle position. Now, I work a sc- sliding scale right across, but if I'm teaching somebody, it's A, B, or C. Mm-hmm. If you're talking to somebody else, they could be an A, B, or a C. So now you've got nine possible combinations just on that one trait when you're communicating with them. But I've now got, if I just take the 68 traits, uh, 39 of those had an A, B, or a C, and 29 of them, you either had it or you didn't have it. So the number of possible combinations, and I know that a lot of people who listen to this will go, oh, I've done Myers-Briggs, I've, got, I've done DISC, etc., and we've got 16 types, we've got 12 types, we've got four types of these different things. I've got 3 to the power of 39 times 2 to the power of 29. <laughs> that is, now, I'm only retentive. So when I saw this number, because I couldn't do it on a calculator, I had to do it in an Excel spreadsheet where I could just walk, take it right off the screen. And... Um, I googled it because it's two with, or it's over two with 27 characters after it. So I found the, the word for it's octillion. So it's more than two octillion possibilities. Wow. So I don't think I've ever heard of that word before, octillion. Yeah. So when you look at it, you go, okay, do we just uh, try and look at categories? And I go, no, what you do is you look at what stands out the first. Because I know that, if I might say, I know you've got a dry sense of humour, which I knew even before I'd uh, spoken to you. Mm-hmm. So I know that your style is going to be pretty laid back and everything else. Somebody has got the opposite trait of that, who's a little bit more fussy. I know that they're going to take things serious. So that trait you've got might go towards a leader. But then I'll look at other traits, you know, with the, how tolerant a person is. Mm-hmm. I've got what I call just tolerance. I'm tolerant all the time, but when I'm stressed, it's like, leave me alone, let me get it. I've got to fix it. Mm-hmm. So I'll withdraw from everybody and I want to do it. Now, you want a leader who's not going to do that. You want them there present. So the person who's got the high tolerance, they're going to be there. Downside of that trade is they're easily distracted. <laughs> so, you know, you can't get just a trait that's got positives all the way through it. It's going to have negatives as well. Mm-hmm. But then you put the combinations together. And in that, uh, I will then look at, okay, what's the role? If you need somebody who's going to be in a military-type organisation just going to give orders... Well, self-reliance is a great trait. In an organisation where it's teamwork, the self-reliant person will give the work to the rest of the team and if they're not quick enough, give it back to me. Mm -hmm. So then it becomes a detriment to the team. So you always know the culture of the organisation, the way it's structured, the type of work they do, Mm -hmm. and you go, okay, now let's look at the person who's the best in there. Now, if you did have a leader who had the self-reliance, you would teach them that the person who has to build their confidence, for instance, is going to take longer. So if you want to run this organisation and be effective so that you don't have to do everything yourself, you need to learn to read this person and talk to them in that particular way. So straight away, we educate that person and we can create, anyone can become a great leader. Mm -hmm. So how long does it take to learn? 
Well, as I say, how long's a piece of string? I'm. Um, I suppose you can look at somebody and tell. <laughs> oh, you, well, you'll be two yeah. weeks, or you'll be two months. <laughs> well, I know that um, the way they think and everything goes. Then it comes back to me. How do I deliver it mm-hmm. for their style? The more I can match their style, the faster it's going to be. Mm-hmm. It also depends on how keen they are. Mm-hmm. See, when I found both Paul Ekman and Naomi Tickle, uh, Naomi and I started online and we were doing it via Skype. And it was an eight-week course that she was running at the time. And she'd give me a task to do, and I'd go and do it, and next day I was back, sent it back to her. And it got down to a stage where I think we did the whole course in about four weeks. Uh-huh. And so, um, and then I just got, I got to know more. You know, just got my teeth into it, I couldn't leave it alone. And then I got also was doing uh, Paul Ekman's at the same time, and getting excited by that, and seeing the correlation between the two, and then went, oh God, this is good, I'm going, just let me go. And so I did it very quickly. Yeah. But then I'll get other people who go, well, look, I've got my wife, I've got my children, I've got my husband, I've got my workplace. And they've got a lot on because everyone's time poor. Mm-hmm. So then I'll go, okay, well, let's do it in a way in which you can learn it ca- uh, casually and slowly, but picking up plenty of experience along the way. So instead of teaching a whole bunch of traits in one session, I might only treat one or two traits. Mm-hmm. And in that, as they learn those, then they go out and they practice it. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we're just about out of time, so I'm going to have to get you to come back and we're going to have to do part two of this. But just as a little hook for people, give us an example of what's a trait. You know, So you were saying that you teach people mm. all of these traits. Mm. What's one example? Okay, well, if everyone can be looking at you at the moment on the camera, you'll see how <laughs> there is a, a large gap between the eyelash itself and the eyebrow. So it's a fairly large area there. From here to here? Yeah, from the top of the eyelash, the top eyelash, to underneath the eye, eyebrow, mm-hmm. there is a, a large area. So you're more discerning. Right. You like to go into a group, you like your space, you like to be respected in that. Mm-hmm. You like to be able to walk into a group, have a look around and go, yep, I can see that person over there is trustworthy. That one I'm not too sure about. So you might come across to them as being less friendly. That's their interpretation. But you're just being more discerning. You're working out who's right to be around (laughs) then once you've worked out hey that person there is uh, trustworthy you're as friendly as anybody else Mm -hmm. so if you've got someone with very low set eyebrows like uh, George Clooney or mine are fairly low as well it's what we call affable this is somebody who's friendly with everybody the only problem is to our detriment we become friendly with the people we shouldn't be friendly with the con (laughs) artists so we're more likely to be taken in right so if you've got a couple and one's got the, the high set eyebrow, the other one's got the low set. The low set one will just go in and be friendly to everybody. So, you know, great to go in, you'll be able to connect with the party. But the one with the high set eyebrows will be going, hey, just watch that person over there. That yeah. one over there. Because you'll walk in and you'll know what, what's going on and who's, who's there, who's with who and who shouldn't be with who, with who else. Do you know, that's fascinating and mm. I have, I'm just mindful of the time here. But a girlfriend of mine used to say, Cheryl, you don't like anyone when you first meet them. And, and I was like totally offended at that. And, and then I thought, well, but she's right. And then I said, yes, but when I get to know them, I love them to death. That's you know? it. Yeah. See, and that's where the interpretation was in error because somebody else said that you weren't friendly. It's got nothing to do with being friendly. Yes. It's about being more discerning. Hmm. 
There's nothing, you know, nothing about friendliness in there. As soon as you've worked out who's safe to be around, as you said, you love them to death. Yes, yes. All right. Yeah. Well, talking about loving things to death, I'm loving this conversation. We're out of time for this one, so I want you to come back for part two where we're going to learn more and find out really what else you can mm. do in terms of schools and, and teachers and corporate and sales. It's just fascinating. I could talk mm. about this all day. <laughs> Yes. And as you've noticed, I can talk all day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Shirley Dalton's mission is to inspire, educate, and support you to be, do, have, and feel what you want. That's why she recommends using Mind Movies. Create your very own digital vision board. Take it with you on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. See it, hear it, feel it, have it. Go to ShirleyDalton.com slash go slash Mind Movies. Again, that's ShirleyDalton.com forward slash go forward slash Mind Movies. Get started today. Sign up right now to create your ideal business lifestyle. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or comment about the program, please go to ShirleyDalton.com and send a voicemail or use the contact form. That's ShirleyDalton.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. Welcome again, Alan. Thank you very much. We've had the most amazing conversation. Alan is a profiling and communication specialist. He can look at you and be able to tell the type of person that you are and then also to read your micro expressions to know what's going on for us at, at any given time. That's right. Yeah. And I liked what you said. I just want to recap a little mm. bit on what we did in part one. And that was that uh, you, you talk about a niche and your niche mm. is relationships. So that could mm. be relationships in the family, it could be at school, mm. it could be at work, it could be for team members, leaders, mm. even for sales with your customers. Mm. But it's all about people and how to best understand and work with people mm. so that you have a better relationship. That's right, because we, we only associate with people that we know, like and trust. Mm -hmm. As they say, you don't buy from anybody that you don't trust. Mm -hmm. And so the same thing, and everything in life really is a sale. Mm -hmm. you know, you're looking for a partner, for instance, one of the biggest sales you're going to have is trying to sell yourself to them. Uh, getting your kids to eat their vegetables. Now, there's a sale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> eat your broccoli. It's good for you. Uh, so all of that, it's all about building trust with somebody. We, when we've got a connection with them, they'll, they'll do what we've asked them to do because mm -hmm. they feel that it's okay to do it. If you don't trust somebody, well, you can't do it. Mm -hmm. So that's what the relationships are all about. How do I build rapport with somebody? How do I get that trust with them? And the best way to get trust with somebody is by understanding them mm -hmm. and speaking to them the way that they want to be spoken to. Mm -hmm. And we also discussed in the previous uh, interview about people's learning styles. And you were giving some examples about uh, how best to work with people at mm. work. But you're also very interested in working with children and teachers mm. and the schools. Yeah, exactly. We've got so many children at the moment. The statistics of the children that are being bullied, that are going through cyberbullying, etc., that are you know kids that are taking their lives. Mm. It's huge. You know, as I was saying before, that um, back in about 2012, we had 100 kids in Australia taking their lives. With 10 to, 10 to 20 times that attempting it, and 7,000 kids going to hospital from self-harming. Last year, that rose to 450 kids who took their lives. Now, it doesn't mean that they're getting better at it. It just means there's so many more of them. Mm. You know, 2012, we had one in four kids with psychological issues. Now it's one in three. So this is an area, and if you're in business, that should concern you because those kids are going to be your next workforce. 
And if they're unhappy, as we said before, productivity is going to drop. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're unhappy, 40% drop in your, that person's act, um, of productivity. Mm -hmm. That's you own a business, that's a lot of money out of your bank account. Mm. So it should concern people from that point of view, but just from the human uh, relationship side of it, we should be concerned about that across the board. Because these kids will be then growing up, we have more crime, we have more bullying, we have um, everything's going the wrong way. So the more we can read the children, understand the child's learning styles before they get to school, so that when the teacher can recognise those, you don't have these kids then labelled with ADHD, for instance, and put on to medication. Mm -hmm. Because we put a child on medication, their performance drops. We slow them down, we just make them fit the system. Mm -hmm. So if you have a child who's uh, got a trait that uh, I can say, well, this child won't sit still, they're frigid. They've also got a trait that says that they're easily distracted. But they also have a sequential learning style. In other words, everything they learn has to be fully understood before they can add something else to it. They understand that, they have the next point to it. So everything's got to be structured. They're sitting in front of the, the teacher and the teacher doesn't recognise these traits and the child gets distracted and the teacher doesn't realise the child's missed it and moves on. Now you've got this gap between the information they understand and the information the other kids have all been given. The child then looks around because they can't sit still and starts to get frustrated. They now become a problem in the classroom. They're the ones who become noisy. So how do we fix them? We medicate them <laughs> and they fit the system. And... It's the way it goes. But if the teacher understood that that child just missed it, they were, you know, they've got the trait that says can't sit still, easily distracted, well, don't put them at the front of the classroom. Put them at the side where they can see the other kids, but also see the teacher. And also build a relationship with the child so that the child doesn't want to upset the teacher. Mm -hmm. And you know, I've worked with kids with ADHD and um, Asperger's, taught the teachers through their parents how to actually uh, talk to the child the child's completely changed their behaviour. We've seen them come off their medication or reduced dramatically and even uh, to the point of not needing a psychologist anymore. So what age groups do you start with? Well, a, a child, these, that particular one was actually six years old when I started. Mm -hmm. uh, I've worked with children who are um, five years old, picking up their traits and explaining it to the parents about how to deal with that child, where their gifts are. Mm -hmm. If you understand their gifts, then they're the activities you give the child. The child's happy. You know, as I say, a child, if a child won't uh, learn the way you teach, then teach the way they learn. Mm -hmm. You find something of interest. Once you've got something of interest, they will listen to you and follow. Mm -hmm. So they'll learn very quickly. But I've profiled um, uh, an 18 month old girl who, for a father, he didn't tell me at the time that she um, had a phobia with the vacuum cleaner. So when I profiled, I just told him about her learning style. Now, he's very much big picture. So just give me the big picture, doesn't need the detail yeah, to make a decision. Yeah, give me the details. <laughs> so I wasn't looking at you, but yes. <laughs> but then his uh, daughter was very much analytical. She needed more information. So when he told her everything's okay, she wasn't getting enough. Mm -hmm. So he had the vacuum cleaner in pieces apparently, um, brought her into the room, started putting it together and went into long elaborate uh, instructions all of, you know, talking about it. When it was together, he plugged it in and turned it on. And as he said, she wanted to push it around. Wow. So wow. she'd had that That's phobia amazing. from two months. And now was 18 months old. And now he's using that same information and teaching the teachers and the people around her how she learns. And she's now advanced in front of the rest of the class.
Mm, mm. And you, you also mentioned like not only for teaching pe um, the teachers particularly how people learn so mm. that they can get a better rate but uh, a better um, result for, for everybody, but you were also talking about you can actually help pinpoint careers and areas. Now, mm. that's got to relate then into the engagement mm. at work because you won't go into the wrong career. That's it. Well, how many children do you know who leave school, go on to university, do a degree and then never use it? <laughs> well, you know, we've got, you go into something like McDonald's and you'll hear somebody want, say, you know, you want fries with that and they've got a, a you know, psychology degree because mm -hmm. you know, they didn't go into that field. Yes. You know, we find it over and over, people in the go to university because... Their family, their friends and everything else have said, oh, that's what you should do. Mm -hmm. That's where you'll make money. Well, you make a lot of money, but you need a lot of money then for the therapy because you went to the wrong job. <laughs> or you find a job you love and therefore you will excel in that. Mm. So the whole thing is to understand the personality and then you look for the subjects. You know, you've got somebody who is very, um, uh, well, first of all, has um, the big picture view. Mm -hmm. Well, you're not going to turn them into a forensic accountant. No. Because they're not going to stare at the books all day. You know, so you'd find it. And the thing is, not one trait defines you. So what we do is we look at all the traits, the ones that stand out, and we go, okay, which, one, which careers do they all fit into? And then you look for, you know, one trait might say a teacher, another one says a teacher, another one says a teacher. So, okay, we're looking at a teacher here. Then we've got other traits that talk about the outdoors. Oh, what type of teacher? Could be physical education. Mm -hmm. So we can then fine-tune it. So the more traits that we can see and understand what careers will suit them, then we can go into that level. Now, what I wanted to do is be able to get every teacher trained with this. Mm, fabulous. So that they could then look at a child. And I know that at the moment um, in high school, the kids get uh, the job guide mm -hmm. and it's got 1,500, 1,800 jobs in it. And they give them to the children and go, right, find a career. Now, give them the white page. It's got a better chance of reading that. Now, if you turned around and you said to the child, hey, here's a few careers that may suit you. We're not telling you it does, but there's a few that might. Your job, here's a job guide now. Go and check these jobs out. It goes from a white pages to a yellow pages. Mm -hmm. And at that point, the child then goes and looks. Now, they may find you've said a teacher, but then as they've gone through, they've found something that might be a coach. Mm -hmm. Still the same sort of thing, but mm -hmm. it's under a different title. Mm -hmm. And the child goes, oh, this, I like this. And on the way through, you're talking about, well, what things do you love to do? Oh, I love to do these sort of things. Okay, well, what jobs would have those particular activities in it? You've got somebody who's, everything's about people, then you're going to be looking at something where they're going to be in a job where they're going to be dealing with people. Mm, mm. And the other you know, traits will then define in what type of dealing with people. Is it a teacher? Is it a social worker? Is it a coach? Mm. Um, is it a t working in TV? That sort of thing. Mm. So you can fine-tune it through there. Yeah, it's fascinating. But the best advice my father gave me was get a good job in the government, love. And that was based on him having yeah. having worked in his own mm. business as a, a taxi proprietor mm. and no holidays and everything. So I did that. And seven years later, I was, ah. Yeah, well, I was told at school by my uh, careers counsellor, Alan, you haven't got the brains, so become a uh, cabinet maker or do something with your hands. Because I was good at tech drawing, woodwork and things like that. So I left school and became a, um, uh, what do you call it, a cabinet maker with Chiswell's Furniture, which ended up really being a factory job. Right. And that was, that was year 10. Now, I'd applied for the PMG before it became Telstra. It was Telecom before that Postmaster General's Department. Mm -hmm. And I applied and I sat through their exam, which was really an IQ test, but they said I failed. 
thank you very much. So I then um, decide I'll go back to school. I can't get the job there. I don't like the factory. I'll go back to school. Then I got a letter from Telecom or PMG saying, we've had that many dropouts, we'll now take you. There was a door, you know, consolation prize. So I ended up joining them. But in uh, the first uh, five years, I did my uh, technician in training, and I realised that when they changed the process, you yeah, then had to go on and do a, uh, a tech uh, course, because once it was going to be just a correspondence thing and then you become a senior tech. Well, they decide they want to be supervising techs. So I then decided what I would do is go to TAFE at night time while I was doing their training through the day and do the other degree, the other course. Mm -hmm. So I got through quicker. So within 10 years, I became pretty much the youngest supervising technician in Australia. And this is not bad for the guy that was told, you failed, we don't want you. Yes. And also somebody who shouldn't use their brains. Yeah, yeah. Talking to another engineer in Newcastle about five or six years ago, and I was telling, talking to him about this, he said, well, I actually have a letter at home that told him the same thing. He was an engineer and a lecturer at university. So this is why I realised we've got some problems in the education side, we need to do something about it. Mm. And the more we're able to recognise a child, the more we're able to then point them in the right direction, which mm. means they're going to be happier as they grow up, happier as parents, their kids are going to be happy, more productive at work. It's all about making positive relationships. Mm. It's a win-win, isn't it? Yeah, all yeah. the way through. Mm. So if people are interested, where can they find out? Well, the best place is on my website. Mm -hmm. And from the website, there's a number of different places they can go to from there because I have mobile apps. Um, I'm working on some new books and I've got online courses. Okay. So, so they can actually learn from me or they can self-pace their own learning. Okay. And your website is? alanstevens.com.au and mm -hmm. it's Alan with one L mm -hmm. and Stevens with a V, S-T-E-V-E-N-S. Right. Okay. Good. All right. You, you were telling me earlier that, about the app, so, so uh, and you were also giving me an example of a teacher that mm. uh, wanted to teach the children English. Yeah, well, it's over in America. The teacher found me and she, as she was saying she had year 12 students who were mostly as a Latino uh, population and they were reading at their elementary school level right. with their English. So she put a lot of different things in front of them. Of course, they weren't interested in it. And she found a, um, uh, an article by Paul Ekman who did the micro-expression research. Yes. And they got excited. They wanted to read each other. Yeah. But she realised that his writing was too technical for them. So um, she paid me the biggest compliment of the, I could have ever received. She got, had me on uh, Skype and she said, well, look, I don't mean to offend you, but your stuff just so simple to read. And I went, that's the way it's designed. So um, I said, well, what are you trying to do? And she told me the process. I said, OK, well, why don't you use my mobile apps? They don't do the job for you. They've got a, a written instruction on how to use it. And then you go and read the person and put the details into it. And it gives you a report at the end. So the kids want to profile each other. Mm -hmm. So now they're going to go and read the report, or the, the instructions. Then they've got to read the report to know what they do. The first app, you profile yourself or the other person. And it tells you about the person you've just profiled. The second one, you profile yourself and you profile somebody else. And it tells you how to change the way you like to be spoken to to the way they want to be spoken to. How do you know that works with the kid you just profiled? You've got to sit down and talk to them. <laughs> so now they've got not only their uh, English uh, communications better, but now they've also got their verbal communications improved. And once you get to know somebody, it's hard to bully them. Yes. So it's even working on anti-bullying right. when you do it that way. Yeah. So... I put that together mainly for business people to be able to go, okay, I'll go and uh, check who I'm going to go do business with, LinkedIn page, website, photos, whatever, mm -hmm. profile the person, put their whole presentation together, then go and see them. 
Right. So that was just one extra step for that. So take that same information that then goes into the dating um, uh, courses I've done as well. Mm -hmm. Is the person who they really say they are? Does the face match up with, as far as their personality traits go, with what they've written about what they love to do? So, so that would be fantastic for those um, dating sites then, wouldn't mm. it? <laughs> yeah. So it's dating sites do their best, but they, you know, I know that eHarmony has something like about um, uh, 38 million uh, subscribers. It's hard. Wow. To, there's over 200 million people on dating sites around the world. There are wow. The, and there's over 35 different uh, dating uh, outlets. Some of them are really good and some of them, uh, yeah, well, you wouldn't use them. But... The whole thing is they can't control the people who are on there. Mm. It's like Facebook. Mm. How many applications or friend requests do you get from people and you look at it and go, that's not a real person? Yes. Yeah. They can't control everything. So you, you know, if you're on a dating site, yes, find the reputable ones. They'll do as best they can, but then your job is to make sure that you refine it. Know yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's not so much just looking at somebody and going, do I want to go out with that person? You know, how many times you've been out with somebody, then you, it didn't work out and you go and date somebody else and there's so many similarities because we're attracted to certain traits. But then we find out that those traits were exciting, but once we got to know the person, then the excitement was sort of waned away and it's now the maintenance becomes a, a hard uh, effort. But if we know the traits, we know how to talk to the, the other person and that excitement can you know, go into the relationship a lot longer. Mm. Mm, okay. And so it just keeps uh, connecting all the way through. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so you've got online programs. You've got your app that people mm -hmm. can use. Uh, you also speak. Yes. Travel around. So, so what's next for you? Where, what, where do you want to take this? Well, I've got uh, the face-to-face -face courses as well. So I've got one-on-one -on -one small groups. I do face-to-face -face or over the internet so I can train around the world. I then took that to online courses where people could self-pace. Then I thought, okay, well, there's some people who want part of me but also want to be able to self-pace as well. So I've combined those together in different programs. Mm -hmm. But ultimately for this is the education is the area that I really want to see some changes. Mm -hmm. Yes, we need to improve business so that people are making more money, the organisations are making more, people are happier. So they've got the lifestyles they want, they come home and they're raising their kids the right way. Mm -hmm. So it's getting to uh, schools. I'd love to see every teacher uh, trained. That's why I'm working with a few uh, teachers around the world and other mm -hmm. trainers to um, go into schools and start developing things there. So we're in, looking at, um, uh, into uh, Holland, we're into America, I'm looking at, Amer I'm into England as well with people over there, the Middle East. Wow. So I will team up with anybody who wants to learn and if they've got their own programs, we'll look at how we can share. Because mm -hmm. ultimately it's getting to education, change the lives of our kids so they grow up to be happier adults to make sure the next generation comes through even happier again. And I dare say you'd change the lives of the parents as well. <laughs> yeah, well parent who can't connect with their child, profile the child, understand the child's learning style, look at the parent and then go, right, this is the way you like to communicate, but it's not the way your child needs to be spoken to. Mm -hmm. Did that with a, a, a family in uh, LA. Mm -hmm. Teacher came to me because the young boy was always in trouble. I got his, uh, I said, right, I'll profile him if the parents send me the photographs, because I profiled him only from photographs, mm -hmm. never saw him before this. Did a profile and said, right, this is how he likes to learn and process. This is how you talk to him. Then I got the parents on Zoom. They did an internet connection with the teacher at the school on another uh, location. 
And I talked to him about their traits. I said, right, this is the way you like to talk, but it's not the way he needs to be spoken to. Mm. Change this and you'll do this. Uh, we did a couple of sessions like that. The teacher picked all this up as well. Um, his academic levels went up, his behaviour improved, and the parents started talking to him in a completely different way. Because they were, you know, if you've got a parent who's concise and you've got a child who's verbose, who likes to talk a lot, when they get stressed, they want to talk more. Yeah. The parent who is stressed will then become more concise, more bullet point. Yes. And why do they become that? Because they love their child. That's why they got stressed. And so the child thinks that the parent doesn't really love them. They're, you know, they're always on me back. You know what? No, the parent wants, loves them. Now the parent knows, ah, the child needs a bit more direction. Mm-hmm. So I will go into talking about why I'm asking the questions, turn it into a conversation. And all of a sudden now the child's coming straight back to the parent and they're connecting again. Ah. And this has happened, I've, I've lost count of the number of times I've done this with parents. Because if you're looking at changing one person, you change them by changing their environment and you're part of the environment. Mm. So we behave differently, they automatically behave differently. Yes. So the more we understand their traits, we understand our own, we know how we need to change from the way we like to be spoken to to the way they want to be spoken to. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you do that, done. And that reminds me of something that we do in our leadership course, and that is if you want somebody else to change, change change Mm. me, change you. It's no good going and saying, you have to change. That's it. It doesn't work. Who said I have to change? You know, you want me to change so that I fit in. Well, how about you change? And that's the way it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, did we talk about what you do with um, people with uh, children with Asperger's? Because I know we talked in the break. Was that? Yeah, well, I had um, a, one mother. This is where it all started for me. It was about six years ago with, um, when it looked at children with conditions. Uh, she came to me and she said, well, actually I was doing an event for her. She was a single mum who uh, looked after a hotel, so she was time poor. But she also ran a singles group. Mm-hmm. And so I did a, a bit of a fun uh, weekend with her called How to Avoid the Psychopath and Other Practical Dating Tips <laughs> with her and her group. And at the end of it, she said, oh, we, you know, do you profile children? I said, yeah, of course I do. And she said, well, my son's got uh, Asperger's and the school is really at their wit's end with him. And the after schools care and that who I rely on have just about had him as well. And I said, well, you know, will he sit still? She said, no. I said, well, send me some photographs. And she sent me the photographs. I profiled him from that. She took it back to the teachers and she played the teachers against the after schools care because both of them thought that oh, if they didn't do it, the other one was doing it, the other one was going to do it. If they didn't do it, then it would fail and they'd be blamed for it. So they both came to the party. Um, smart. Yeah, she was a clever girl. And in that, the end result was that um, a year later, we had a health forum in Newcastle, the town hall. And I, she got up and uh, spoke. So she's been recorded in front of the whole town hall saying that what, uh, what happened over that year, because he was still in the school. He was now doing presentations in front of the class that they said he could never do. Wow. Um, everybody at the night wanted to know where he was. Now you're here with He's sitting in the back playing his, um, on one of the little iPads. And when he wasn't doing that, when she was on stage, he was up taking photographs. <laughs> so after that, uh, two and a half years later, she did another testimonial where she said that he was no longer on medication. He was in the normal, um, or the, you know, the regular part of the school. He was getting ready, um, but when he turned uh, uh, into his teens, he went into high school. So he's when he was 11 years old, she decided to have a birthday party for all his mates. And she went, oh, this could be a bit uh, noisy, yeah. a bit of a worry. 
uh, she came back and we said, hey, it was just a, um, a boys' party. She said it was noisy, but it was a typical boys' party. And, you know, it was brilliant. Yeah. So now he's in high school and, uh, you know, he's shining. And, and that's because you were able to teach all of the people that were interacting mm. with him how to how work to with him. him. Yeah. Well, if you look at anybody with Asperger's autism or whatever, they're highly sensitive. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? We put them in highly sensitive situations. You know, oh, they've got to get used to it. Let's drag them down the shopping centre. Yeah, let's take them down at the busiest time um, instead of picking the right times. So if you set the environment up, then their condition doesn't get triggered. If their condition doesn't get triggered, you don't need to have them on as much medication. And if they're not as, on as much medication, they develop faster. Mm-hmm. We dumb them down to fit the system and therefore we create an ongoing problem for ourselves. Yes, yeah. So the more that we're able to make sure their environment's right, you know, if you've got a kid who's sensitive, we'll keep the things that stimulate that sensi- their sensitivity down. Mm-hmm. Mm. They're not going to be triggered. Mm. So the more you understand their personality traits, the more you know how to talk to them. So in a relationship, just connecting with anybody, now it's even more important to do the same thing when you're doing with one of those children. And I imagine that um, generally for people that have that condition, there would be some do's and don'ts, but then you bring the traits mm. in, and by traits we mean the, the physical features mm. of people that you can read. So if I look different, I might still have the condition, but there's going to be now an, another level of distinction yeah. in how to deal with and, and be more effective with that person. That's it, because if you've got a, a child who is very analytical, for instance, and you're just saying to them, I oh, know it's okay, you know, just do this, just do that, and it's just big picture, they don't understand. Mm, mm. So the moment you then give them a bit more explanation a bit, and you make sure it's more, more logical, it's like saying to uh, somebody with, um, who's got a fear of flying and you say to them, right, well, um, you know... She'll be right, mate. It'll be right. <laughs> and the person goes, but what if I, you know, the plane crashes? Oh, if it's your time, then it's your time. But the chances are it's not. And then you go, they'll come back to you if they're logical and they go, but... What if it's the pilot's time and I become collateral damage? <laughs> so you need to be able to explain to them in the right ways so that given the information that they need it, in the way they need it, in the quantity they need it. Mm-hmm. And if they get that, they go, okay, I understand. And that's how you get, because fear is not knowing. Mm-hmm. So the more you're able to explain to them, the less those things happen. Mm-hmm. So understand their personality and talk to their traits in the way they want to be spoken to. Mm-hmm. Okay. They'll always respond. Honestly, I could talk about this all day long. I'm, I'm fascinated with people and fascinated to learn more about people and how to understand them better. And so just to recap on what we've been talking about in uh, the first interview and now in this second interview, that the one thing that you specialise in and that the big aim for you is to help people have better relationships, mm. be it in home, in work, in school... And you're particularly passionate about helping teachers to understand the children that they're Mm. working with in order to give them what they need in order to have them to grow, to learn and to Mm. really grow up Mm. being able to do the things that they're best suited for. And then you were saying about the degree of uh, psychological issues that people have. So if we can do that, then it's going to decrease that, which means their workplace is going to be better. Mm. People are going to be in careers that they enjoy. So we're going to get much more productivity, Mm. um, which will then give the business owner a better return on the business. And then Mm. we'll go home and we'll have happy 
families. Exactly. So, I mean, win, 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 win. What's not love to, to love about that? That's exactly right. Because you think about you wake up and you have something goes wrong in the morning, like you stub your toe. Mm -hmm. If you concentrate on that, the rest of the day gets worse and worse and worse. It spirals out of control. So that's where a lot of the stuff is going at the moment because the way we handle things. But if you turned around and you were able to change the way that um, you, you, know, you stub your toe but then you change the, the, the feeling about it, then you spiral like the other way. Your day gets better and better. Mm -hmm. And that being able to read somebody and connect them to that level is no different. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's all it is. And so, and just to, to be clear then, and we, I'm just mindful mm. of the time as well. We, again, we've just about run out <laughs> yeah. of time. Uh, when we're talking about profiling, uh, Alan's a profiling and communication specialist, so able to look at the structure of your face mm. and also to look at the micro expressions that mm. we have to understand what's going on. So if people want to find out about you, they can go to alanstevens.com.au. That's the one. Alan, thanks so much. It's been You're absolutely welcome. enlightening. I've loved it. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining Shirley Dalton and her amazing guest this week on Reclaim Your Freedom. Please tune in again next week for an inspirational and educational edition. Until then, be sure to implement what you've learned today to create your ideal business lifestyle. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here for the next show.